Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Diana Dini. Hey, Diana, do you know that we do not have a product requirements sheet or characteristic sheet for this podcast? Did you realize that? No. So we can do whatever we want. We could do the <laughs> intro halfway through. We could do a cold start. We could do interviews. We could do this. But by by having done this, what now, 800 plus times, we pretty much have a routine. Yeah, there's some sort of implied requirements, right? That's right. So it's, it's a, I, I'm a couple episodes ago, I forgot to do the sign off, you know, asking people to send questions in and stuff like that. And so I was like, whoops, I just broke one of our, you know, requirements. How do people know when the show's over if I'm not asking them for questions? <laughs> <laughs> and did you get feedback on that? Oh, I actually got a question. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So one of them that came out here recently is, and it was dealing with product characteristics. Is, and it was, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but it's when we're when working with characteristics, how do you recommend we practically work with them? And of course, my first thought was, well, ignore them if they get in the way, but that's not usually useful. Um, no. And and then so, and I'm kind of spinning out of control with all the different ways I've seen people, different companies, different organizations deal with either the, the product requirements document, which details out requirements or characteristics, like how big it is or what size it is or what's it supposed to do. And the functionality listing, if you push this button, this green light should come on kind of things. Um, and you know, some it's, that's what you got to do. And Others go, well, I don't know how to measure that, so I don't do it. I don't, I don't worry about it. And others are, we're a startup, we're going to pivot. And they pivot 10 times that day. And I'm like, all right, now what are we working on? I thought we were working on a charging station. It seems like we're working on, you know, something else. Now, I think this is more like autonomous vehicles. What are you? <laughs> it's all part of, it's all fun of engineering, right? Well, it is. It, and, and I get that. I, I understand, you know, things have to change it. I remember it was, it was a medical device. Um, it was, and the quality department would tag the requirements document. I mean, they actually put a little parentheses with Q107 in, in it. And it meant that was the 107th requirement that was going to be checked. And, and if it wasn't meeting that requirement, that specification, that characteristic wasn't there then they were going to say, no, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And like, and so they went to great pains not to call reliability a characteristic that they wanted to measure or, or a requirement. They called it a, they didn't use the word suggestion. It was a, well, it would be nice to have if we kind of made it work for more than a year. <laughs> like, oh, Yes. Yeah, there there was a section. I've worked I've worked with some companies that um it wasn't a must have, but it was a would like to have <laughs> in the requirements document. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, why are you doing that? This is something that you've the only reason you got me here is because you know that it doesn't last a year and now your customers have noticed this and so you want it to last a year. Why don't you make it a requirement in the 
head of the department that was tagging all this stuff. Said, well, we don't know how to measure that. If we can't measure it, then we can't check it. I'm like, okay, let's work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's an important part of setting up requirements is being able to measure it and verify it and check that you did it. Well, it's the hard part is, is that with just about any characteristic is, you know, it's like uh, like a cell phone. What's the range of from a cell tower to your phone that's susceptible? How would you set that requirement mm -hmm. or that characteristic? I mean, if, if you're saying we got very high connectivity, if you read it down in the fine print, is when you're within a certain signal strength of a tower. Well, mm -hmm. duh, you're kind of defining I'm successful when it's successful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so so that's, I guess when you're, so this, the person that asked the question, they're, they're asking, and we have these requirements and how do we, how do we work with them? Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the first thing to just check is, can we measure it? Right. Can we, can we verify it? Yeah. And it's on a spectrum, right? Is it, is it something, it doesn't have to be measured to the 15th decimal point in, in all conditions is, can we convince ourselves that we're on the right track to meet this thing? And it's, yes. it's from estimates and models and, and verification it doesn't have to be testing because that's right. But is it, can we get feed? I like to look at it as, can we get feedback to the design team? Are we on track to meet this requirement or provide this characteristic or not? That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I like that. When, you know, as an example, it was a team that was, um, they were using, it was some kind of blue color on the outside of this device and it, and it was going to be outdoors and the, the data sheet for the colorant they were using in this polymer um, was susceptible to UV radiation. So it would, in the sunlight, it would change. And so I bring this up to the project manager and he says, well, what will it change into? I said, I don't know. So we went and got some panels of it and just stuck them under some lamps and high temperature and accelerated that chemical process of it changing. And if lo and behold, this beautiful blue color, this blue sky blue turned into this murky cesspool green. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> like a pool that's just uh, left gone for the, the season, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It just, and you know, you could almost see the bubbles popping up on top. It was just, just an ugly, not olive drab. It was worse than that. And it was just, and it didn't take long at all. And I said, well, if you change this pigment to this pigment, um, they're saying it has a better color fastness. And here's another panel we ran at the same time. And it turned into an even a more lusterious, luxurious type blue. It just got better. Okay. <laughs> and it, it, it's a, it was the color of the enclosure for this outdoor device stuck on a pole someplace. And I'm like, how important is this? Is going back to the practical treatment of these characteristics. Um, is this vital to your brand or functionality of this thing? Or is it providing this colorant providing a particular protection to this device or something? Is what is it? And he's like, eh, we just don't want it to be ugly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So they went with the first option, no, the they, original choice. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, they, they said, oh, that, that looks horrible. But if, <laughs> so we got to fix that. So the marketing team had a lot of sway on the way this product looked. And it was really just cosmetic. It was had nothing to do with the functionality of this box that was like a switching, I don't know, I don't remember the technology of it, but it was on a pole and he ran wires into it and a bunch of other wires came out of it and it did something to ha make that connection happen. And I was like, okay, and you're worried about the color? Well, I, it, I guess if their name, their brand name is on the outside of it mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it could have an effect on how somebody would see it, perceive it and link that really awful <laughs> yucky color to the to the brand you know sometimes those little things matter oh yeah no i i agreed and it's, all right if that's important then let's do that it that gets back to like you've seen these engineering requirements documents and even mm -hmm. the listing of here's what we'd like this product to do um oh, have you ever seen the um the the pomegranate phone did i ever no. show you that oh I don't, I don't know if it's still available or not, but if you get a chance and the same with the listeners is Google or search for, I should say, uh, it's sort of like Kleenex use a tissue, um, to look for the pomegranate phone and you get this goofy looking device and it rolls out this beautiful thing. Well, it makes calls. It's a universal translator. It's got a built-in harmonica. Um, it can brew coffee. It works as a project and it just keeps going on and on. And it's an ad for the Chamber of Commerce of Nova Scotia, I think, which makes no sense whatsoever. But can you imagine? I'm, <laughs> I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to keep up, Fred. <laughs> well, it was this amazing device that did all these ridiculous things. And they created this very, very cool uh, video of featuring all of these characteristics this product could do. And you're going... This doesn't seem real. He even had a built-in shaver, so guy could be talking to his friend in Paris while he's shaving, uh, you know. And I'm like, okay, there's something up about this. And then it breaks us. Well, this phone's not available yet, but Nova Scotia is. You should come visit. Oh, okay. And it was, but the, the old bait switch. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's a fascinating video. All these cool characteristics, and one step after another, it just gets more ridiculous. Um. And some of them are like, well, that would be really cool. Um, I've seen the video game console that you could reheat your your chicken, your fried chicken in a drawer in the video game console. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, was, that was a device that somebody was like, you know, like, hey, would there be enough interest in this if we built it? And, you know, the, no, there wasn't. No. Uh, no. No. No, you don't want to interrupt, you know, the climax of the video game to take the chicken out because it's ready. Or, or the sneakers that you push a button on the, the ton of the sneaker and you can have your favorite pizza delivered to you within 15 minutes. Whoa. Now there's yeah, some that, shoes. That, that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but when with ideas like this, the shoe, the pizza fetching shoe... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one is, but there's, you know, uh, characteristics such as comfort and color and style and, and where, and now it has a communication device built into it. So it's got to have location information to a certain degree and, and billing. And 
on and on and on. All these characteristics that's got built into it. Not all of them are as essential as every other one of them. No. And I, I found that some of it is just the first deal is, as we mentioned is, well, how do you measure this thing? How do you know you're on the right track or not? You know, is this, is this requirements like it should just work are not terribly useful. Right. So is it a reasonable characteristic or, or, or a requirement that we can actually detect whether it's there or not? <laughs> That's kind of the step one. But two is they're not all this, all the same level of importance to the product. I tend to focus on the ones that go, well, this will just make it explode or this one will make it burn up. If you push that button, your foot gets really warm in anticipation of warming the pizza when it gets there. That could be a problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, safety, right? Right. Um, so definitely thinking about safety. And then also you get into the well, the user needs, your requirements and your product characteristics should link up with the user needs for whatever you're saying that the device should be able to do or how it should perform. And then what their expectations of it are also. It should line up and, and that can help prioritize mm -hmm. characteristics too. It can. And it also helps to understand um, why we're building this thing. I know Chris Jackson often talks about that when we start talking about characteristics or testing or measurement. It says, well, what is it you're actually trying to accomplish here? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, profitability for you as the designer and manufacturer and shipper of this thing is is nice, but what problem are you actually trying to solve? What is, why would a customer want this device? What does it do for them that makes it beneficial? You know, it might be cool to order a pizza once that way, but is that really a problem that they need solved? I don't know. There's probably some marketing people I think there is, but the idea would be is if that's what we're really trying to solve, well, then how many times are we going to have to actually order a pizza with this thing? How, how big's the battery have to be? Or how are we charging this thing? Or where's the energy come from? What kinds of environment does this communication device have to survive? And that's where you can start getting into all those, all the important questions about related to the requirement. Yeah. Right. And, but it's funny though, is going back to that color thing, you know, with the shoes, it's if the brand and the color and stuff is, is also equally important, then we oftentimes, and this is what makes engineering so fascinating, we'll get conflicting uh, requirements. It has to be this shade of white and it has to be able to run through mud puddles and still work. It's like, hmm, uh, and stay white. How are we going to do that? And how is that contaminant into the electronics going to work? And uh, what happens if you throw it in the washing machine? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so there, are, there is a requirements matrix that, you know, you can pit the requirements against each other and say, you know, are these competing requirements or are, are they, do they, are they repeating? So you might have a requirement worded a couple ways, but really it's intending to do the same thing. Did you um, do a podcast on this, this tool? No, I haven't done one on, on a requirements matrix. I did do one on house of quality. 
Okay. That's I thought you were heading to it. No, this is different yeah. than House of Quality, isn't it? It's just yeah. a cross check of the requirements. But that might be useful just to yeah. see how do we evaluate one, do we have a coherent list of what we're trying to do? And two is how do we group these things so we can get, you know, collect the information we need that covers a couple of them all at once. Yeah. And then and then you can sort of rank it as if it's if they're opposing requirements, you know, how could we resolve that or or if they're they're aligned with each other, maybe there's one solution that can meet two requirements, you mm -hmm. know, that that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's a way to study requirements um, to try to handle them in a more practical way. Well, it's what I have found with number of different groups, there's, there's a spectrum of these are the requirements and we're not shipping unless they're all actually met, unless we have the CEO and founder override it um, all the way to the startups. Not all startups are this way, but some startups are, well, we'll just keep changing it until we think we got a product that'll work. <laughs> it's like, just keep pivoting is the polite term for it. But in, in that mix is that it provides those characteristics. What we're trying to accomplish is gives the design team a goalpost. Here's where we're trying to get to. But it also gives you know us in the quality and reliability world a set of, of, well, how do we get feedback to the team that's useful to them? And part of that process, well, what's important and what's not important? I would add the other dimension of which one's more difficult or which one do we not understand as well which one's not like the, a new material we don't really know how it's going to behave in this environment so that's a task that can be used to provide better information back to the team and we can go do that um, so i see it the characteristic characteristics is a i don't know big amoeba kind of looking thing and some parts are critical and some parts are not. Some parts are difficult and unknown or uncertain, and we can help with that. Others are conflicting. Others are, well, I, we nobody knows what that means, so we're just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, vague or, um, yeah, undefinable. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, I don't know that there's any one answer to how to practically work through it, but I think that matrix idea that you, you, you mentioned there, it's probably a good place to start just so the team's on board is what are all these things and which ones are priorities, especially in the conflicting one. We want more of this one. We want it to be more blue, but a little less um, uh, corrosive to everything else. <laughs> yeah. And then um, another one too is just, uh, you know, the urgent important matrix. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we use that for projects all the time or just our daily tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a team could use that for product characteristics too. <clears throat> when they think of it from the terms of the user, if the user is picking up their product or interacting or using the product, what's going to be urgent for them? What are they going to want to expect it to be able to do right away? Mm -hmm. Or what's important? And then you can characterize, you know, product characteristics. <laughs> yeah. Um, in those four different quadrants to kind of help you pick out what's the most important feature for the user too. That's Instead of having just a whole list. Yeah. It's obvious they're not all equally important, but from the user's perspective, that's an interesting way to use that urgent important one. 
Um, I'd also, I've seen it used in a way where it's, these have long lead times, or it would be a major setback to the program if we have to change this or if this characteristic can't be achieved. So mm-hmm. there's things they'd say, we got to solve these earlier. We got to get answers to these first and then these other answers later. Um, but adding that layer of what's important to the, it would be, I don't know if anybody would notice if, if you picked up a cell phone these days and it didn't actually have a phone feature. I don't know. If, I know plenty of people that would never even notice it. Like what kind of feature that they wouldn't notice? Like, like a, it can make a make or receive a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> You've known people that they text and they chat and they video and they, you know, use yeah. Zoom versus ever making a phone call. That's going to be the next iteration, Fred. You're on to something here. Ooh, let's make a phoneless phone. <laughs> a phoneless phone. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to work on the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the other one that reliability engineers use a lot that I know some people groan about is FMEA, that failure mode and effects analysis. But if if a team does it early and iteratively, um, it can help prioritize certain characteristics or if, if the team thinks there's going to be a lot of potential causes that lead to a particular failure or if if a feature seems to have a lot of failures associated with it, that could lead the team to think maybe we should investigate this a little bit further. Yeah, yeah, especially the safety stuff that comes out in those kind of studies. Oftentimes, is the if it fails and it explodes, well, that might be a problem when it's not supposed to do that, and so we got to solve that. But you're right; it's a great prioritization tool. Uh, it does take an investment, um, but it early and often. It is the key to that one and do small sessions of it at the system level and then dive into it deeper. Um, it can be used. And I think I'm channeling Carl here is it can be used to great effect to make a real difference for a program. Um, but that's one way to do it. It doesn't have to be cumbersome. It doesn't have to be, you know, go to every single detail of it because some characteristics are We've been doing that for 20 years. We have a switch on the back next to the power supply, and we're going to do the same thing this time. So we kind of got that one in the bag. Um, Not as important as the color, apparently, for this one group. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree with you. The FMEAs, they don't have to be as cumbersome as as all of that. Uh, I I went to um, a conference earlier in the year hosted by the ASQ Reliability Division. Mm -hmm. And one of the presenters did a requirements FMEA. Oh, wow. So they looked at the the function of the FMEA was the requirement itself. Um, And specifically, if it was a quantitative performance or a specific function. Like make and receive a phone call within two, two miles of a cell tower. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> and then the failure mode was, if it's a departure from that requirement, okay, would be the failure mode. And then you would, you know, you would look at different causes. Is is the requirement, um, is it not worded correctly, or or do we not have the right requirement? And then you know they would rate the requirements like that in an FMEA. 
Well, that's that was, clever. So that's a, a certain new use for FMEA specific to requirements that other people are sharing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's, well, there's a bunch of ideas there, how to deal with characteristics that, um, the matrix and FMEA, um, you know, talking to your team and what's important, not important and informal prioritization. Are they worded correctly? Um, can you measure them? All those kinds of things is a way to approach it. Um, I think the bottom line though, is that when we come up with a set of product characteristics and the team says, all right, here's what we're trying to do. That's our best guess at that point in time. And I don't know of a single product that I've ever worked on where that initial list was what we shipped. <laughs> it, yeah. it will change because be prepared for that. And sometimes it's because we come in and say, Hey, that's just going to turn into this ugly color. You don't want to do that. Um, and other times it's, you know, it's just trade-offs in engineering. We're, we can't get to both places. So we got to deal, we got to drop one of these characteristics. And that makes sense too, because as you, I mean, you have pie in the sky at the beginning, you want to do all the things. And then through the development process, you're learning, you're learning more about the product and your limitations, like you said, the trade-offs. Um, and so there are going to have to be decisions made during the development process, and that's going to change things. Yep. And then the challenge is that you keep up with that so that you actually document that you just decided to make a phoneless phone. <laughs> you better tell marketing. <laughs> that kind of thing. So anyway, there's a couple of ideas and tips for this question. Thanks. And I'm trying to decipher. I didn't, the person didn't sign off on it. So all I've got is a, um, an email um, which I don't, I don't care to, to share uh, as I don't have permission to do that. But uh, thanks for the question. And hopefully there's a couple of ideas there for you. I, I know that when this arrived, I sent back an answer that wasn't near as well thought out as this one, Diana. So thanks for talking through with me on this. Sure. Yeah. And so if, if you're listening and happen to have a question of some nature or another on re- product characteristics or not, but how to deal with something, it would be a more generic type question. Let us know. Uh, I know that we try to get an answer back to you is a hopefully useful one in a, in a pretty short order, but it also then makes for, a, oftentimes makes for a very nice podcast topic. So we, we are really looking forward to what your questions and comments and suggestions are for, for future shows. You can do that over at ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR, where you can find a couple of different ways to get in touch with us. Diana and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and through our about pages on the on the Ascendo site. So we look forward to what's on your mind, what dilemmas or questions you may have. Well, Fred, you did you meet all the requirements of your podcast? I got the close in there. We had an opening, a close, and we and it, luckily the requirement in the middle is pretty much random and try to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> we leave that one a little fuzzy. <laughs> oh, if you've got ideas on on new characteristics or qual, you know requirements for the show, let us know. Um, but uh, yeah, we it really is. I think it meets the criteria. Friends t- talking to friends about reliability. And I think so do. too. Yeah, oh, check. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the call, Fred. All right, thanks for the discussion. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care, Diane. Okay, you too. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. To speaking of reliability. 
we invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.